Hey, it's great to be with you in worship today. You know, y'all are early, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> On my watch, I've got to set it. It's uh, 10 minutes or 11 after 10. Uh, but uh, glad to be with you. You know, uh, I, fig- I, I was thinking about this this morning. It would be really cool to be able to get that extra hour of daylight at the end, but still figure out how to turn the clocks back you know, each time. Uh, Maybe some of you are so smart you'd be able to figure that out. If you can, let me know. Love that. Anyway, uh, we are in the week number four of our uh, series called Life Sealing Choices. You'll want to pull out your Christchurch notes. They're there in your worship program for you. Hey, did you check out the icons while you're doing that? Did you check out the icons outside? All of the art in the gathering hall. You know, I thought on the first day of Lent, this would be a wonderful time to be able to, to look and see at that art, that art. One of my good friends, Lisa Gastrell, is a part of a group called the, the Royal Icon Studio and Guild. And uh, this, this group of uh, nine folks gather and, uh, and, and pour their spiritual gifts into painting biblical scenes and, and uh, paintings of the heroes of our faith. Lisa told me, she said, uh, you know, uh, Pastor, she said, that, that until she began to express her faith and use her gifts in this way, she had never experienced such a window into heaven and uh, the depth and growth of her spiritual life. So I encourage you to check that out after worship today. The artists are out there. They're there to talk to you about uh, their uh, painting and how they've come about that and uh, anything that you'd like to ask them. So anyway, as I said, we're in uh, week four, Life Healing Choices. You know, uh, this whole series is based on a book by the same name by a pastor named John Baker. And the whole premise behind it is... uh, looking at the Beatitudes of Jesus, the the most famous statements that Jesus made from his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. These Beatitudes are there to help us deal with the hurts and habits and hang-ups that all of us have that hold us captive and keep us from living into the freedom of Christ. You know, and these are statements, these eight statements of Jesus are called the Beatitudes because they're attitudes that that I believe Jesus wants us to be. There are attitudes he wants us to embody. He wants us to put into practice. In fact, he said to his audience there on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you know, if you want to be happy, if you want a fulfilled life, if you, if you want to be blessed, then you need to do these things. You need to pay attention to this. You need to put these things into practice because they will change your life. Now, So we can all get on the same page. You know, I said we were today is week four. Let's take a quick look back at the first three weeks to see where we've been, make sure we're all on the same page. You know, I was thinking, how can we summarize the last three weeks? Well, I think I've got it. Three short phrases to summarize the last three weeks. They are, I can't, God can, let him. That's the first three weeks right there. Let's say it together. I can't. God can, let him. One more time. I can't, God can, and let him. The first week was the I can't week. It's the reality choice that we have to make if we're going to join the Lord on this process toward healing. The reality choice that says, I realize that I'm not God and that I admit that I need help. I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing 
and my life is unmanageable. It's the reality choice. It's the I can't choice, recognizing I can't do it on my own. The, it's based on the first of Jesus' statements, the first beatitude, Matthew 5, 3, that says, blessed are the what? The poor in spirit. Yeah, because theirs is the kingdom, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, from Matthew 5, 3. Then the next week was the God can. I can't first week, God can the second week, and it's called the hope choice. And that hope choice that we make is when we say, you know, I earnestly believe that God exists exists, that I matter to him, and that God has the power to help me change. That's the hope choice. I believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that God has the power to help me change. In fact, it's based on Matthew 5, 4, which is the second of Jesus' famous statements, the second of his beatitudes, that says this, blessed are who? Those who mourn, yeah, for they will be comforted. For they will be comforted. It's, the, it's, the, uh, it's that choice that we make in order to, to recognize that, that, uh, that I believe that God exists. It's the hope choice. And so I can't, God can, and what's the third one? Let him, let him, that's right. And let him is the commitment choice. We made that last week where he says, I consciously choose to commit all of my life all of my life, all of my will, that's everything. I commit it all, I surrender it all to Christ's care and control. It's based on the third of Jesus' most famous statements, his third beatitude, Matthew 5, 5, that says, blessed are who? The meek. Now, we talked about that last week. You remember that meekness does not equal weakness. Meekness does not equal weakness. No. In fact, what is meekness? But meekness is, is strength under control. It's courage under fire. It's that, that picture in your mind of this, this powerful stallion who has been tamed to be able to use this strength for, to be useful. Yeah, to use the strength to be useful. You know, that's the strength under, the contr under control. It's the courage under fire. Meekness does not equal weakness. So, uh, I can't, God can, and what was the third one? Let him, absolutely, let him. And today is our fourth choice, our fourth choice. It's the housekeeping choice, the housekeeping choice, choice to move through our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups that hold us captive. And this fourth choice is one that we make when we say that I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. In fact, it's based on the fourth statement of Jesus, the fourth beatitude. Let's read it together. It says, happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Yeah, Matthew 5, 8. Happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, you're probably looking at, at that and then look at the housekeeping, uh, house cleaning choice up there. Go ahead and put it on the screen. Yeah, you'll start looking at that and you uh, say, okay, I openly examine and confess. Well, first of all, that starts out kind of like a bummer, doesn't it? When you start thinking about I openly examine and confess my faults to myself, 
to God and to someone I trust. And you're thinking, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait just a doggone minute, Pastor. You know, I didn't sign up for that. You know, I have no interest in doing all of that. You know, confessing my faults to, to, to myself, well, you know, I, I guess I can do that. Uh, confessing my faults to, to God, well, okay, yeah, well, it's not like he doesn't know it already, right? You know, and, but to someone I trust, to somebody else, no way. No way, I'm not going to do that. I didn't sign up for that. I'm not going to bear my soul to the world. You know, I say, well, just a minute, relax a second. God's not asking you to bear your soul to the world. God's not, I'm not asking you to do anything like that. I'm not asking you to air all your dirty laundry on the clothesline of Facebook, you know? Not that some of you don't air a bunch of that stuff out there. I read it. But let me tell you, that's not what God is asking you to do. He's not asking you to bear your soul out there. No, all he's saying is, look, this is all about honesty. You know what I call that statement? I call this housekeeping or house cleaning choice the honest to God choice, where you're honest to God about your faults and your failures, and you admit that to yourself. Then you confess it to God, and then you bring somebody in who can walk along beside you. So that you know that you're not alone. Somebody you trust. Somebody that, that, that knows you. Somebody that you can bring in to hold you accountable as you walk along. Because this stuff is hard. This stuff is just flat out hard. You know, and the reality is this is all about being honest. Being honest with yourself. Being honest to God. And being honest with somebody else. Because I want you to hear me say this one phrase right here. And that is this. That freedom, freedom is impossible without honesty. Freedom is impossible without honesty. One more time. Freedom is impossible without honesty. In fact, look what Jesus said here, John 8, 32. You will know the truth. What will the truth do? Set you free, right? The truth sets us free. Well, we've got to be honest about our, with ourselves about what's going on in our own life. We have to be honest with, with God. We have to be honest with someone else. In fact, I want you to write this down, that truth... Truth is the cost of freedom, but freedom is the reward of truth. Truth is the cost of freedom, yeah, but freedom is the reward of truth. So if you want to be free from all of that stuff, all of that baggage, all of that mess that all of us from one time or another carry around in life, it starts with being honest with yourself with taking a, a moral and spiritual inventory. That is, what does that mean? It means there comes a time in your life if you really want to be set free. Now listen carefully. Where you got to look at yourself and you say, okay, what's out of whack in my life? What... What in my life is screwed up that it's not in alignment with, with what God wants me to be? What is it that's keeping me tied down and chained up and held back? What is that hurt, that habit, that hang-up that, that keeps me from living into the freedom that I was designed to live into? 
And you know, when you do that, it's scary stuff. Nobody can deny that. Nobody can deny that, that taking a good hard look at your life and seeing where your life is out of whack is some kind of fun experience. It's not. But that truth is the cost of being set free. And that being, uh, that the, the truth is the, re- our freedom is the reward of truth. Looking and taking that moral and spiritual assessment is what begins to set us free. In fact, you know, I think that's, so what did, what did Jesus mean when he said, blessed or happy are the pure in heart for they will see God? What did Jesus mean by that? Well, I want to start by saying what I think this verse does not say. Let me start, let me take it, let me run into that through the back door, right? You know, well, what does this verse not tell us? What does it not mean? Well, definitely, he didn't say here, happy are the religious, did it? Do you see that in there? says, happy are the what? Pure in heart. Didn't say happy are the religious. And I think there's one good reason for that. And that's because I don't know if it's like that in your life, but, you know, frankly, you know, uh, some of the most unhappy curmudgeonly people I know are the religious ones. You know, I don't know if I can get a witness there, but I imagine I can probably, I may be able to get an amen, you know, because some people are just miserable and they seem to make me miserable when I'm around them. And they're the religious ones and their lives are all full of rules. It seems that they're run by rules and regulations over and over again. It's always don't, 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 and no. But you know what? The Christian life is not about all those don'ts. The Christian life is not don't, it's do. The Christian life is not can't, it's can. The Christian life is not no, it's yes. In fact, look what Jesus said. Jesus said, here I have come that you might have life. Now let's read. Life in all its fullness. That's exactly right. In fact, I want you to write this down. Jesus didn't call his uh, followers to be religious. You know what he called them to do? He called them to be in relationship. There's a difference there, folks. There's a difference between being religious and being in relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the author and finisher of our faith, the very one God says knitted us together in our mother's womb. There is a difference between being religious with all the rules and being in relationship with the God who created you. In fact, I I didn't write this down. I didn't put this, uh, fill in a blank there. But I want you to write this one word in the margin somewhere. Because when I'm talking about relationship, I'm talking about being real. Being honest to God about who you are and about what you have going on. Because you cannot be in relationship, genuine relationship, intimate relationship with anybody who when you are constantly wearing a mask and they have no idea who you are. That's not a relationship. Relationship comes when when we're real. Let me tell you this, God is not interested in your mask, but he is passionate about you. 
Hear that? He's not interested in the mask you wear, but he is passionate about you. Matter of fact, I want to tell you a story. It's in the Gospel of John. It's chapter 11 there. And there's this great story about Jesus when he raised his good friend Lazarus from the dead. And in that story, we find a really cool truth that most of us overlook. We'll read that story. We can read it and read it and read it again and never see this thing. But I want to bring it out to you today. You're going to learn something today about this because I'm going to show you a new truth, and that's this. Matter of fact, in, uh, in, the, in John chapter 11, verses 43 and 44, we find these words. So Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his feet bound, and his hands tied, and his face covered with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Now, I want you to pay attention. It says that his feet were bound, his hands were tied, and his face was covered. Okay. Now, picture with me. Jesus is standing there in front of the tomb. They pushed the stone away. His buddy Lazarus is lying dead in the grave. Jesus stands before the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out. And to the door of the tomb, Lazarus rises up and he's standing there at the door of the tomb and his feet were bound, his hands were tied and his face was covered, but yet he was alive. Now, what I want to tell you is this, that there is nothing that can keep you tied up, nothing that can keep you dead in, uh, uh, excuse me, nothing that can keep you bound when Jesus Christ comes to set you free. Nothing that can keep you bound. In fact, he was dead. In fact, listen to this. You know, the scripture talks about that when we receive Christ, that is when we have a relationship with Christ, that we go from death to what? To life. Here is this wonderful word picture. We go from death to life when we get real with Jesus, when we have a relationship with him, from death to life. Now, Lazarus, now pay attention. His feet were bound, his hands were tied, his face was covered. But it's, let me ask you this. If, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, why in the world didn't the straps that were around his feet just come off? Why didn't the straps that bound his hands together simply disintegrate? Why didn't the, the cover that was over his face simply fly, fly off? If he could raise the dead, he could have done that, right? But instead... Pay attention. Here's the last line of this verse that I want you to see. Jesus said to who? Say it louder. To them. Who, who are the them? Friends, family, but more specifically, he was speaking to believers, followers, his followers who were around him. He was speaking to his followers. He was speaking to the followers of Jesus who were there. And he said to them, the followers of Jesus, untie him. That is, 
untie his feet, untie his hands, take off the face mask, and let him go. Let me tell you, I want to, I want to bring right back to you the fact that when Jesus called Lazarus forward, those uh, cloths that uh, bound his hands and feet and covered his face, they could have all disintegrated, but he didn't do that. Instead, he said to his friends, his followers, you untie him and let him go. And the reason I want you to understand that is because that's exactly what God is calling us to do. As followers of Jesus Christ, let me tell you, there are those of us who are bound with hurts and habits and hang-ups. And Jesus calls us and says, come out. And so we come up from, from death to life, but there's still all these things that still are around us. This, these hurts and habits and hang-ups that tie us up and keep us bound, chained down and held down. But it is the job of the followers of Jesus to come up beside someone on the journey, to untie the hands, to untie the feet, to take, help them take off the face mask so that they can be living in the life and freedom that Jesus has called for each of us. You see, we confess to ourselves the mess that we, our lives have gotten into. We, we confess to God and then we bring in someone that we trust. Someone we trust who can walk along and help untie our hands. Who can walk with us and help uh, unbind our feet. To, who can walk along with us and help us to remove the mask that we've been wearing. What an incredible picture of the way that Jesus sets us free. He calls us forth from death to life and then has those of us who are believers walking beside one another, encouraging each other, helping each other, being in ministry and mission to, one, to someone. It could be an addiction. It may be an old pattern of behavior. It may be an old way of thinking that keeps you bound up and tied up. But Jesus said to them, his followers, what did he say? Untie him and what? Let him go. That's right. You do that. In fact, look what he says here in uh, Galatians 5.1. Paul said it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus said this, if the Son sets you free, you will be free. What? Indeed. When he calls, we come from death to life. But still there are these things that, that still keep us bound and our face covered in a mask until someone comes alongside of us and walks with us to encourage us, to pray for us, to hold us accountable. Folks, to be free is exactly what Jesus meant when he said that happy are the pure in heart. To be pure in heart is to be free. To be pure in heart is to be, uh, to be set free, to break free from the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups, from the sins, the faults, the failures that hold us down and keep us separated from God. You know, and still some of us are, are saddled with such incredible guilt. 
You know, I know that some of you were likely raised with parents that, that, that use guilt to keep you in line. You know, and, and some of you grew up in churches that have specialized in guilt. I meet people all the time who are 40, 50, 60, even 70 years old who say, you know, Pastor, you know, I'm still struggling with the guilt from my, from my, my past and from my growing up. And it makes me wonder, with all this guilt, if God really has forgiven me. If God can really break through the guilt and forgive me for, for my past sins and my past failures. You know, in the Old Testament, there, King David suffered greatly with guilt at one time. In fact, David, David had an affair. He cheated. He had an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. And he thought he could get away with it. He schemed and he plotted and tried to hide what he had done. Well, it came to light. And a, and a friend of his named Nathan, who was a prophet, came to David and said, David, I know what you've done. And in fact, God knows what you've done. And you're never going to be set free. You're never going to feel the freedom unless you, conf that you confess it, that you own it that you admit it to yourself, that you confess that sin to God, and now that you say to me, I recognize that I've done wrong. Me, Nathan, someone you can trust. And I get this picture of David in that moment, falling to his knees, and in Psalm 51 he says, God created me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit in me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with your willing spirit. And I just picture David with tears running down his cheeks. Saying, God, I own it. I confess it. And with Nathan's help. We will walk through this that I may never repeat this act again. It's all about being honest to God, people. That's what this is all about. Matter of fact, look what he wrote. David wrote this. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record. Because let me tell you what guilt does. I'm going to do this really, really, really quick. And that is this. Guilt destroys your confidence. It destroys your confidence. In fact, it leaves you in a state of brokenness. You can't be set free when you're carrying around and living in the mud and mire of guilt. 
Matter of fact, guilt not only destroys your confidence, but it damages your relationships. Guilt damages your relationships. You find that you're, 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 you're short with people that, that, uh, you, uh, that you love and, and uh, care about, that you respond to them in ways that are hurtful when you are saddled with guilt. In fact, here's one, that guilt keeps you stuck in the past. Can I get a witness there? It keeps you stuck, people. You can't move into the present. You can't live into, to the, into the freedom that God has for you when you are saddled with guilt and you feel like all you're doing is carting around luggage wherever you go and it's so darn heavy that you can't even hardly move. In fact, I want you to write this down. The basis of a pure heart, folks, is not how good I've been but how good God is. I love that. It's not dependent on me. Being pure in heart is not dependent on me. It's not how good I've been, but it's how good God is. I've got somebody I want you to meet. That's why I've got these two chairs right here. Her name is Kelly. Many of you know Kelly. She's been a member of the church for quite a while. And uh, Kelly has struggled with uh, addiction in the past, and she is now set free and continues on that path of healing and wholeness. Oh, there you are, Kelly. Yeah, come on up. Yes, good. <laughs> so good to see you. This is Kelly, everybody. Kelly, I want you to introduce yourself to him. Good morning, everyone. My name's Kelly. Um, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who has gained freedom through the debilitating and devastating disease of alcoholism. I'm a trauma survivor, and I currently struggle with grief and loss of life. So, Oh, great. Come on. Have a seat right here. Thank you for, for doing this. Let me tell you, I admire you tremendously because, you know, it takes a lot of guts to sit in this chair right here, you know, in front of all these people. You know, a lot of guts to bear your soul like this and to share with us your struggle. You know, there came a time in your life uh, struggling with addiction alcoholism, that uh, you had to get honest to God and, and, it, and, and admit yourself the problem, confess it to God, and, and bring somebody alongside of you to help you in that accountability process and the healing. Um, tell me, what was it like to, to do that spiritual and moral inventory, to, to look at your life, you know, in that mirror? Well, um, so we're talking about, this is the fourth week, and thank goodness there are three steps before this, and the, you talked about the I can't, he can, and for me, I'll let him. So the third step for me was the most important, is that I had to get out of my own way. I was perfectly um, comfortable and familiar with the baggage that I was carrying. Um, I got sick with, I got sick, and I, in the worst part of my, my disease, I had Jesus in my heart. And it wasn't just the, oh, help me, Jesus. It was really, you know, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I'm not, you know, living up to the gifts that you've, been get, that you've given me. So when I came to this place of having to do this searching and fearless moral inventory, I wasn't fearless. I was very fearful. And more than anything, when brought to this space of helplessness with my addiction, it was that um, a lot of people come here uh, to this point afraid that they're going to die from the disease. And I knew I was going to live. And that was way more terrifying. So I was willing to do whatever was necessary to um, 
examine what brought me to this point. And then the most important thing, as I said, I had Jesus in my heart before, is I had to give that away. I had to be truthful and honest with somebody else outside of me because this inventory is really the first tangible um, evidence of my steps forward into recovery. So uh, when you did that, uh, you did that at that one time in your life, but it, is that something that you ever have to do again? I mean, do you have to continue to look at that? Yes. I, I'm that, was the, that, yeah. that was just the beginning of a lifetime practice. Um, I have to examine my motives in all that I do today. This is, a, for me, my disease is, is life and death. So it's not something that I take lightly. It's something that I'm very, um, very serious about. I, I need to know where I operate from, and I operate from a place of spiritual um, balance. So that's... Uh, it's, so it's, not it's a with me and, all the time. Yeah, it's not a once and done kind of thing. You're constantly I, having to... I know to we'd look. all like for it to be, but um, the fact is, you know, when I was confronted with this in the beginning, it was an exhaustive inventory, and it was exhausting. But thank goodness, again, the steps are in order, and I brought God with me. I think the most important thing I wanted to point out from your sermon is, is we don't invite the sponsor to come in at the end of the inventory. The sponsor needs to be with us and in place before we could start this inventory. And the sponsor's job is simply to guide us through this because we're, it's an emotional upheaval, even in the best of circumstances. Right now, I'm going as a starting this CR journey. I've had to look at CR, my wait, 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 what's celebrate the, recovery okay, that we're right. coming on board with. I've had to look at all of this again. And even though I'm familiar with my past and my truth, still painful. Still painful to have to construct this list. It's still painful to have to be honest about all of these things, good and bad. Um, it's not all bad, um, but it, it's something that I do all the time. What about your spiritual journey? How has, how has doing that uh, moral and spiritual inventory of your life impacted your, your journey with Christ? kind of where it began for me. Um, I, I always had a spirituality about me, but I never think, I don't, I don't think until I came to that place of the, the turning point of the hopelessness, the helplessness, that I can't, I'll let him, that I understand what um, the redemption part of uh, this journey has been, and that is my strength in Christ. You know, I've cleared away the wreckage of my past, so therefore, I don't continue to have a wreckage of my future. You know, I'm clean today. I, mean, I walk in my truth and knowledge that I am a child of God, that I am covered in his grace and his mercy. And it's the kind of grace and mercy I'm talking about that I didn't deserve and I didn't earn, but I'm covered in it. And um, to be given that freedom, to be able to be um, of service to others and to walk upright and not to have to hide Behind um, the mask, it's a lot. face covered, <laughs> hands bound, feet Well, tied, you get what yeah. you see. You know, I practice this a lot, but nothing's coming out that I practice. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of joy today in my heart, and I'm not hiding. Thank you so much. God bless you, Kelly. It is a privilege to be in mission and ministry with you. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I already said it, it takes a lot of guts to sit in those chairs, you know, and, uh, and to bear your soul. But, you know, she does that because she's not, she doesn't have to hide anymore. You know, the, 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 the bind, the, the, the ties have come off the hands, the, their feet aren't bound and her face isn't covered. She recognizes where she's been, but she knows now who she is and she is a child of the king. 
And that changes everything. It's freedom. It's pure in heart. And that's what Jesus said. For happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, as I mentioned, it was, it's scary. But I'm going to give you these things to help you to remember. You know, I want you to remember in those scary moments when you're doing that inventory of your own life, I want you to remember God's kindness. God's kindness, he is so unbelievably kind to us. In fact, uh, Romans 2, 4 says this, that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. He is so good that he wants us to come to that honest-to-God moment in our life where we admit to ourselves, confess to God, and invite someone in that we trust. I also want you to remember that God is faithful. I want you to remember his faithfulness. You know, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God will never let you down. When everybody else around you lets you down, God does not. In fact, Paul said it this way. He said, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, neither the powers or neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, that is, not addictions, not hurts, not habits, not hang-ups, not all of that stuff will be ever, ever able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And finally is this last one. Put it on the screen. I want you to remember God's promises. I want you to remember his promises because he tells us this if we confess our sin. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I'm going to leave you with this last scripture and let it go. Put it on the screen. For it is Christ who is the, what's that word? Is the yes to all of God's promises. That's where we know we stand. For it is Christ who is the yes to all of God's promises. With this, we're able to clean house as we are honest to God of where we are in light and who we are in light of who he is. Let's pray together right now. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love, for your mercy, your grace that continues to surround us. And Lord, we turn our hearts to you right now. And we are reminded that you raised Lazarus from the dead, but you called on your disciples to loose him and untie him and let him go. Lord, I pray for folks right here in this service who are struggling with some kind of something that is holding them back and keeping them tied up and held down and chained up. And I ask everyone in this room, to ask God two questions. What is it that I need to be set free from? And who is it that I need to talk to to help me find that freedom? And you may want to pray in the silence of your own heart and say, Lord, you know, I know I've, I've hidden some things from you in my heart and I've denied the truth about my life. I've tried to hide from you and myself and from other people. And Lord, you already know what's inside of me, and I want you to help me see it too. Search my heart, Lord, and reveal those secrets in me. Shine your light into the darkness and into the shadows.
Show me what's in there. For I confess to you that I've sinned and that I'm a sinner and, and that sometimes I, I sin in ignorance and other times I just simply do it deliberately. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done that hurts you, hurts me, and hurts others around me. I'm tired of running. So, Lord, I'm turning my heart to you today. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me. I'm opening my heart to you, and I'm asking for you to save me, to come into my life and to set me free, to give me a pure heart and to show me how to live the way you want me to live and bring me from death to life. Thank you, Lord. I surrender myself to you right now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.